When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See something really scary? You bet. Music, horror, art, politics, and overall badass. Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio for real on Society 13 Networks. Hello, this is Arnold here. I'm listening to Kettle Whistle Radio right now, and I think you should too. Come on, do it. Folks, friends, and fiends, <coughs> I've got a very sick show coming up for you. Yeah, <coughs> excuse me, sick in the head, yes, we've got Joe Lynch, the director, coming up next, and we are both sharing the same flu, very odd, very rare, it's a sick show, quite literally. You know, um, a lot going on. There's so much to talk about, and um, being sick kind of sucks, and that's why I've been out of it for about two weeks. However, i got a strong one for you this time, man. Did you enjoy Hot Coffin? Great band. Go back a few episodes and check that out. Uh, a lot going on with my friends, okay? Carrie Hill, director of Scream Park, okay? He is now doing the novelization. <clears throat> Novelization of Screen Park 2. And I know all about it. He told me everything. Uh, he, it, it's going to be a great book. And it's a sequel to Screen Park, which you guys, if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. Throwback to 80s slasher films. Joe Lynch and I talked about it. But as a matter of fact, he was very interested in this. Um, I highly recommend it. You can find Screen Park by Carrie Hill, Walmart.com, BestBuy.com, and Amazon.com. There's a Blu-ray available. I know because I I, I own it. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> Other news. I saw the final cut of Blood on the Real by Dagger Vision Films. Go to Dagger Vision, Dagger Vision, Dagger Vision Films.com. Go check it out. That is Johnny Daggers himself and his documentary on indie horror filmmaking. Blood on the Real is amazing. Uh, apparently, yeah, I'm getting something here from Bianca Lane. There is a premiere at the Alamo Draft House. Now I looked this up and it says Austin, Texas. I'm not sure if that's the right one. Guys, you gotta tell me where these places are. <laughs> Don't just give me names. Uh, but yeah, so there is a couple of premieres for Blood on the Real. It's gonna have a huge premiere. I know of at least three coming out in the fall. Check this film out, man. Just hit up Johnny Daggers, man. I, I can't brag about this film anymore. 
And of course, my friends, uh, Jack Davis and Carrie Jubilee with The Chop, another indie flick coming out. More of an action flick with lots of violence. Um, I am in it. I get killed. It's fantastic. For those haters out there, you're going to love my head getting blown up. Um, <clears throat> that's coming out later. I think that's after January. So, um, but look forward to The Chop. Look up Jack Davis and Carrie Jubilee. Great people, great filmmakers, lots of fun going on there. Same people uh, actually all work sort of together for The Other Side, another great movie. Um, there is a big announcement to make, um, <clears throat> but I can't do it. Um, Forces of Horror. Okay, this is a horror anthology coming out. Uh, myself and Heather were asked to... Um, the the uh, Elvira's, if you will, the hosts of a horror anthology coming out. I've, uh, it's four films by Roger Sampson. Look up Roger Sampson. He's a great dude uh, who asked us, you know, if we wanted to host, you know, in a creep show method, but um, little in between segments of uh, us giving our input. And I watched all four films of Forces of Horror, and it's it's a great. Oh my god! It's a. Re- I, I'm honored to be a part of this. Um, all four movies are just fun and well put together. Just a good budget, and um, Roger Sampson knows what the heck he's doing. Uh, that's you know the TBA. We will get back to that at some point. Uh, let's see here. Living Dead Weekend is coming up. If you are in the Pittsburgh area, Evan City, the old cemetery where they filmed Night of the Living Dead. Yes, right down the road. The Museum of the Dead is there. Uh, Romero will be there. The cast, crew, uh, John Russo, my buddy. Um, I'll be there. Uh, not that that matters. But um, you can check it out, dude. Dudes. Dudettes. Go to the Living Dead Fest this weekend. It's going to be lots of fun. And um, I'm not sure if Tom Savini's going to be there. I wonder if he's going to be there. I don't know. I don't have confirmation on that. But back to John Russo. He has a film coming out called Uncle John is a Zombie. Okay? Now think about this. This is the guy that brought you Night of the Living Dead. He wrote it. With Romero, all right, you do the math. Uncle John is a zombie. This film is actually happening. Okay, it'll be coming out. I don't have an, an exact date, but I will. I'll probably have John on here talking about it sooner or later. Um, coming up too in later shows. Uh, you guys, fans of White Zombie? I don't know, maybe not. Well, um, if you remember Sean, the bass player, well, she has a new band, and they're called Star and Dagger. We're going to be playing them shortly, and uh, Miss She-Wolf herself will be on here in two weeks, um, part of the path to uh, Halloween. The path to Halloween? Is that what you're still calling it? No? Yeah. yeah. It's still the path to Halloween, and uh, I'm just trying to deliver for you folks here, and get you in the mood. Uh, let's see. What else do I have to go here? Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Got, oh, a friend of mine has a new band, and he's supposed to give me an announcement. Let's see, Arvin Clay, he sent me some music, and he says here, here's a taste of one of our tracks. Aw poop, it doesn't work. So apparently, you're not going to hear that yet. But Arvin Clay, who used to be on here as a, a, ho- a co-host with me for a while, great guy, has a new band. But apparently, you're not going to hear that tonight. So let's just uh, get into what we got going on here. Joe Lynch coming up. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, thanks for dealing with our sickness because, uh, yeah, we're both suffering. Um, that's about it. All right. Get right back to you.
ready. <laughs> All right, cool. Folks, friends, and fiends, that was Gritty Politi with another something shitty. No, it wasn't, actually. It's our next guest, Star and Dagger. If you guys know White Zombie, Sean Salt from the bass player from White Zombie is now in Star and Dagger. You just heard In the Blood. We'll have her and, well, hopefully her and Miss She-Wolf on in two weeks. Right now, I have a very, very special guest on our path to Halloween. Right now, I am honored to say Mr. Joe Lynch is with me. I, I got two berries. Very, very special. Yeah, berries. I was gonna, I was gonna go for three, but we're, bo- we're both from Long Island, so I have to you know, digress a little bit. Oh, really? Where, where are you from, Long Island? Uh, didn't we talk about this, Port Jefferson? I, I, well, I was doing this, you know, for the benefit of the viewers out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like they never, they never read any of our emails. So Whoops. I'm like, hey, let's let's pull that out of David a little <laughs> bit. So from Port Jeff, eh? That's funny. So am I. I destroyed the illusion. Um, but hey, we, we did talk about this Coliseo Pizza. Do you remember that place? I do. And what's funny is that there was this constant war because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody outside of New York will ever really kind of appreciate no. this. But no. there's a thing called the pizza wars uh, that, you know, in, in New York City, there's, you know, there's a joke. It's like there's how many how many like famous rays are there out there? You know, everyone says that they're the original rays. But there's about 50 rays out there in New York City that are saying claiming that they are the original mm. rays yep. in Long Island. Ray's thankfully is not part of that regime, but um, there's been you know, p- you know, pizza aficionados out there who have been like kind of raiding real traditional pizza. I'm not talking about like you know bread with sauce like Sabaros has or something like that. I'm talking about real motherfucking pizza, right? Exactly. The kind that for some reason they cannot make anywhere else. Um, um, there's there's a place on 347 called uh, Tony's that we went to a while like, for a while that was fantastic. Wisconsin um, Highway, yes. Oh God! See, every time that I go home. It, like that, through 47, Route 112, it yes. all comes back to me. It's like, it's amazing how everyone can kind of go away from wherever they, you know, wherever they've yep. started out or grew up in, and then you land, you know, like for five minutes and you're automatically like, take me to a Dunkin' Donuts immediately. Yes. Please. I, I need real coffee. 7-Eleven. Um, hey, I, I, I go out to LA a lot. I have a family in Tarzana. Is there good pizza? I know there's a Brooklyn place nope. there. Nope. But no, nope. nothing. Nothing comparatively. There, there used to be a place in Mel, like on Melrose, um, that was kind of like their whole thing was, hey, we made fucking New York pizza. <laughs> and they would have like Goodfellas posters and casino posters. And there was basically a whole bunch of Joe Pesci pictures. Um, <laughs> you know, their, their claim was that they were the best pizza. And I think it was just because they just made it thin. Now I have a theory and it doesn't quite relate to, and it doesn't really relate to horror movies or cinema in general, but you're going to learn something here. Um, a friend of, a friend of my dad's, had a, a bagel store on 347 <clears throat> about 25 years ago. Okay. And, uh, and he decided to move out to LA. <laughs> and he, uh, everyone was like, why are you, what, like, why are you moving? No, it was to Vegas. And why are you moving to Vegas? You, you have a really successful bagel shop here. He's like, just trust me. So what he did was he moved out to Vegas and he brought gallons of water with yes. him. Yes. Yes. I know this water. theory. Yes. And within a year, he had his own shop set up and it was making bagels for every casino in you know in town because they were like these are real new york bagels and the trick was the water mm-hmm. so einstein bagels i believe bought him out and took his recipe over and now i you know don't quote me on this but he's like a billionaire 
Is that he like, is um, baby. is it called Noah's bagels out there? You have that too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I go there. We both have the same cold, uh, one coast yeah, to the other. Seriously. How does, how does that happen? I think this cold has gone viral, so maybe. Yeah. I know, see, uh, well, I'm in Pittsburgh, the zombie capital of the world. We got the Night of the uh, Living Dead Fest coming up next week. I wish you could I be here. Had, I had the best week of my life in Pittsburgh. Uh, the year that Land of the Dead came out. Nice. <coughs> I was, um, I was a camera guy. We're gonna go off on 17 different tangents. I know, so I know. I wish we had like three hours. I know. Um, I was, uh, I was a DP at, um, uh, at G4 at the time. Mm. And they, they were doing these things called, uh, icons, right? It was kind of like, um, not behind the music, but it was like, Picking a, an artist, you know, whether in games or movies or whatever, they thought, hmm. why don't we do one for, for Halloween and why don't we do one with George Romero? And I'm like, I, I, I at the time, I was just a DP. Uh, I was like, I'm in, I'm done, I, whatever you need, I'll do it. Because their whole thing was they want to do like a retrospective of him. Hmm. And they're like, well, you know, our producer doesn't really know, you know, the zombie movies. and the genre. I'm like, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. Just, just <laughs> send me out there with a cat, like with me. And a sound guy, and if you gotta bring a, a, a producer, it doesn't matter, I will, I will hook us up. <laughs> so, we go out there, and I, <coughs> I was really the only fan, I guess, of, of the movies in that little clique. Mm-hmm. But here, here's what we tackled. And, and again, this was all for like a half an hour show. <laughs> we went to the Monroeville Mall, well, you know, of what, course. What, what is the Monroeville Mall? Yep. And we walked through, I got B-roll in there. I got to shoot in the mall and everything. Got to see those like little statuesque, like the the little pictures that they have on mm-hmm. the far end with all the zombies and everything. Got to do that. Got to go in the mines uh, from Day of the Dead. Spent all day in the mines. Nice. The guy who uh, works there, or I don't know if it's still the case, but uh, at the time, the guy who worked there was a zombie in Day of the Dead. So we had to make sure that he showed us the... 18 frames that he's in in Day of the Dead. <laughs> but we're, we were in the mines. And then after that, then we went to the cemetery for night. Of course. So, so this was to me as, as a hardcore Romero fan, because Dawn of the Dead was my first horror movie when I was two. Yes. So this was a seminal moment for me, right? So all week, I was completely saturated in Romero zombies. And my audio guy and my producer were like slowly coming to like, oh wow, you know, there, there's a lot more depth to this than we thought. You know, and of course we went to Permanti Brothers and got the, the, the sandwich <laughs> or the fries. I'm like, alright, we, we also have, on Thursday night, we have the premiere of Land of the Dead in that old theater that's downtown. I cannot remember the, the name. The Harris? Of it, was the, at the yeah, Harris? Yep, that's the one. Yep. And, uh, that was where I got to, uh, I was on, you know, on the press line. It was the first time that I met, uh, Edgar and Simon Pegg. <laughs> they were there. Um, so then Rodriguez and Tarantino showed up and they're like, oh, oh yeah, we've been going to everything that you've gone to because every time we go, they go, all oh, these guys from G4 have just left. So I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, like <laughs> Tarantino and Rodriguez are, are like riding our coattails. That's oh my amazing. God. <laughs> and then before the premiere, we ended up, uh, having three hours of time with Romero. So we sat him down and literally went through every single movie, everything (laughs) like from vanilla to crazies to, you know, all the dead movies to night riders. Oh, night riders shines dark half. I mean, I, we, we went, we went as balls deep as you could with Romero all the way up to bruiser. How about bruiser? (laughs) He didn't want to talk about bruiser. (laughs) Okay, we won't go there. The idea was, you know, because um, Savini's school had a bunch mm-hmm. of zombies that were going to be there for for Land's premiere. So I'm like, 
what if we did this? What if, what if at the end of the, the piece, right, you say, all right, guys, thanks very much. And he, you know, and get up and then you leave and you open the door and we basically recreate that famous shot from Dawn of the Dead where the elevator opens and all the zombies come. Oh, out. yeah. So that's exactly what we did. So we got a bunch of zombies and they were all thrilled because they got to basically attack Romero. <laughs> and the shot that, so I got that shot first, <clears throat> you know, recreation of the famous shot. Mm-hmm. And then we flipped around. And I was getting kind of there over the shoulder on Romero just to get his reaction when he opens the door. <laughs> and the reaction that we got was so fucking amazing because it literally, he opens the door as if his kids had come home for Christmas. <laughs> because he opened it up with the biggest shit eating grin. <laughs> like he just opened the door. He's like, Hey, that's my boys. <laughs> that's great, exactly. man want from George Romero to be like, I am the proud papa of this whole thing. Now, this is, of course, before The Walking Dead and people knew about zombies in that respect, you know. Now, we made the mistake of being so, like, <clears throat> I mean, just Romero drunk by the end of the week that <laughs> before our flight that next day, our flight was at like 2 or 3, I was like, guys, we can't leave Pittsburgh without seeing Land of the Dead on opening day. Now, granted, I know it wasn't shot in Pittsburgh, but it was mm, still Pittsburgh right. proper, right? And, yes. and I still said it would behoove me as a diehard Romero fan to have the opportunity to see it, the first show in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I would kill myself. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so 8 o'clock in the morning. No, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning. The first show was at 10. Um, my I... I like yanked out my producer, yanked out my audio guy. My audio guy brought a joint, which was not the best idea in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, why is that? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, it was perfect timing for that. I know, um, Jesus. And we went into the theater. We were just like, yeah, man, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. And, uh, and, and weird enough, we thought, we, oh God, we got to get there like 45 minutes early because this is Pittsburgh opening day Romero movie. This place is going to be swamped. <laughs> there was no one else in the theater. And no, yeah. actually, two guys that came in late, and I'm sitting there going like, dudes, why would you do that? They're and about then, sports know, here, man. When it comes to movies, I could walk right in and see, um, the, the was it the uh, Forsaken Force on December 18th? I can walk right into the theater and see that Star Wars movie. There probably will be a line at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and that's it. Well, you're not diehard like we are. Um, <laughs> Wait so a second. You, I'm from you, where you so, come from. You remember the lines wrapped around the Fox Theater to see Jedi? I miss those. Dude, I miss those. Me too. I miss Me making too. two hours in line and talking and commiserating with like all everyone who's around me like, oh my God, fellas, we're going to see the new Star Wars. And then we all walk out. Oh my God, did we just see that? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> so still a fan, through. man. <laughs> I know. Well, dude, I'm going to be there opening day. I know you will. So long story short, we uh, the movie ends. And, we, and honestly, I was so jazz maybe still probably a little a little high or something like that but <laughs> walked out going like oh my god that was fucking awesome so i immediately call my brother who's an, another huge zombie fan i also called brian posein sorry for the name drop but oh you know, i love the man friend and and I, I was like dude you need to see this movie now and i got on the flight <laughs> i got off the flight six hours later and i got two voicemails one for my brother who said, go fuck yourself. I can't believe I just watched that movie. <laughs> the second one from Posein going, are you fucking high? That movie sucked. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. So, yeah. So, you know, it was disappointing at the, at the very least. But I think it was just uh, like the, the culmination of being there an entire week 
in Pittsburgh, <laughs> in the town that that basically you know the town that that birthed the the, the modern zombie. Still going, and and still going to to this day, and and just walking out of that movie. And you know, I just revisited it again, and it's not terrible. You know, it's I like I think, it. Yeah, I know. I like too. I you know, and I think that unfortunately with with Diary of the Dead, I hated Diary of the Dead. I just didn't think it worked. And and I and I might be one of the few here that thinks this, but. I kind of liked Survival of the Dead because yeah, it was like the version of Western. It was his, you know, his John Ford movie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and I really liked that the the family power struggle that it really wasn't about the zombies and stuff like that. I like when Romero's pushing those buttons, mm-hmm. then I think it works. Well, Night of the Living Dead wasn't really just about zombies. It was a political statement, you know. So he did it again. It never, you know, it was never really like that's the thing is that all of his movies are never really about zombie movies. Right. They're really about us, yes. and they're about like here's. Here's the control. Here's the thing that is going to kind of spark human interaction or lack thereof. Yes. You know, how does that work out? That's the beauty of it. And it's a thing that, you know, I feel because, you know, we, we had Nick Otero, uh, who's been a really close friend uh, for years. And um, mm-hmm. he was just on the podcast on the movie Crypt. Yeah, movie Crypt. And, we were going to uh, talk about that. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and he kept saying the same thing. It's like we could take out the zombies. You know, he goes, it put me out of a job. But if we took out the zombies mm-hmm. and put anything else in there, it would be almost the same kind of dramatic beats. Correct. Because it's more about the, the, you know, these, these people put in a very precarious situation and how do they deal? It does not have really anything to do about bites and flesh eating and de- decomposing bodies. It's more about here's the pressure cooker that we put you in. Yes. <laughs> and that's what makes it special makes it work makes it work you know i've never been 15 minutes in without telling the audience my folks friends and fiends your body of work now they should know who you are of course if they're a horror fan Uh, at all but let's just real quick real quick people love still love chillerama holliston okay hatchet 2 frozen wrong turn 2 terra firma knights of badassdom and i just watched ghoul and i gotta tell you after this commercial break here folks um this is a great movie uh, i'm not even gonna talk about the latest one yet because we were blown away friday night uh we'll get into everly too let's take about five minutes we'll get right back to you and enjoy this i'm not afraid of the dark but you should be there are things that's well here in the dark things Best left to see. With the initial smoke cleared from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new Truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www. FairlyDarkProductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game. <laughs>
back with Mr. Joe Lynch, both of which me and him have the same cold, 5,000 miles away. I don't understand how this happens. Um, <laughs> where, okay, we, we do have to talk about an event, okay, coming up. Our, our mutual friend that got us together here, Jeff Meyer in Syracuse. Um, what's this, the evil thing? <laughs> yes. Well, I, you know, I, I, I've been trying to think of a decent title for that, um, and that's the first thing, and probably the only thing that came up was an evening, because they always say an evening with this person or that person. Like, right. well, it's not quite an evening, because when, whenever you hear <coughs> somebody coughing, whenever you hear like someone, you know, say like, oh, it's an evening, you know, with Davis Sedaris, you know, you, you expect a, a very properly fonted you know, classically fonted invitation, you know, that's done in like Sanskrit or whatever. And I'm like, look, you know, that's fine. But for my evening, I'm going to be showing some pretty deplorable shit. Oh, no, so, you're not. You're you're showing one of my favorites. Oh, dude. All right. So Go ahead. real quick. So I went to Syracuse University and I love that school. That school, you know, gave me a lot of opportunities where a lot of film schools don't let you make films. Uh, at the time, Syracuse just basically handed you equipment and said, go make something. We'll tell you how much it sucks when you come back, and then you'll learn from it. <laughs> and I thought that was just invaluable. <laughs> and I walked away with three shorts, two of which, no, one of which went to Sundance. You know, So I was you know, like very gracious about that. Plus, my wife is from Syracuse, so I'm there. I'm, we're back and forth all the time. And... Uh, Two years ago, they had asked me to come back uh, for one of their um, their international film festivals that takes place uh, in the fall every year. I mean, why, you know, like as an alumnus of the, you know of, of the school that you went to, why wouldn't you want to go back to the you know the town where you were for four years mm-hmm. and just kind of say like, hey, thanks, you know, it's, it was a bit of thanks. And uh, and Adam Green and I went there. Uh, I showed Wrong Turn Two. He showed Frozen, and uh, it was great. And um, and this year because I had Everly. They had asked me to come back, and I'm like, that, like I would love to come back. Is there any way that I could possibly just kind of program the night? So they were really cool about that. They, you know, they actually, I think it was that they had said, you know, would you want to show anything else? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I thought, you know, I had just seen a, a new cut of um, this, uh, you know, the short that I had done for Chillerama, where we, I did all the bridging stuff, you know, like you know, the, the stuff that uh, all the content that sets up the. Um, the back and forth in a way, you know. So I did the thing, you know, in Chilorama where everyone's at the drive-in. And, uh, you know, and then you have all the shorts that um, that are being seen as films that the people in the drive-in are seeing. So that's mm-hmm. what propels the story each time. I love it. Meanwhile, there's all this stuff going on with <laughs> demon semen and sex goo and, and zombies running amok. <laughs> you know, typical Saturday night fair. Yes. So, but we had always, you know, put it out as Chillerama. And, um, recently I just, on a whim at two o'clock in the morning, one morning, I was just like, I'm going to see what it looks like when I just cut it as one thing. And it ended up being really cool. <coughs> but there was really no place to really show it. So, uh, so I, I said, would you want to see, you know, would you want to show a zombie movie? Which, it, you know, in, in actuality is a, is more like a featurette. It's like 40 minutes, but you do get like the good gist of, just as a good word, not jism. Okay. Just as a good <laughs> Plenty word. of that. You get it. You get a, a good jismy gist of what we were going for with that, and I'm really proud of it as something that's like akin to you know a, an old 1980s Joe Dante zombie movie, which was the you know the definitely the route that I wanted to take, and I know that like Bear with the score wanted to take. Um, it plays really fun, and it's great with a crowd. So we thought that would be good, but then 
they're always doing like master classes. You know, like mm-hmm. people are always saying like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna throw up uh, Citizen Kane and I'm gonna go through every single shot of that movie and show its significance. And look, I have nothing wrong with Citizen Kane at all. I <laughs> love Citizen Kane. It's amazing. But it you know shows what? up in the background inside the uh, theater there with uh, Brian Doyle Murphy, if I recall. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's it's a seminal film, but like. One man's Citizen Kane is another man's Transformers a movie and vice versa, mm. you know. And I thought, you know, I wanted to show a movie that really meant something to me, that, mm. that was like a real pivotal moment, and I want to talk about it. So the way the night's going to go is we're going to show Everly first. We do a Q&A after that. I'll tell my Salma, you know, my funny Salma stories. And then, um, and then after that, then we're going to show, uh, Chillerama's zombie movie, which, yes. you know, is this 40 minute piece. Then there's something that I'm going to show that I, I, you know, I can't say what it is now. Well, but... I think I'm privy to it. Okay. All we right, won't, you, guys, you can't say it. I won't say it, All but right, I was, I was asked to ask you about it. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's get off topic right here. When I was a kid, um, and you were probably smaller at the, the time, I went to Brookhaven. Multiplex when it was new. Oh, Remember dude, that? I went to Brookhaven Multiplex all the time. That's that's where I saw the blob. I was just gonna say you must have been in the same theater because what it lasted a weekend. I was in there opening day, and I wasn't gonna say the movie, but you you did. Uh, that was one of my favorite moments in well, time. No, 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 no. We can, no, no. That's not the surprise. Okay, that's good, good. Surprise. Okay, good. <laughs> but the blob, I saw it. You saw it on the big nope. screen too, right? Fantastic. I love that movie. Everly zombie movie as a little surprise in between and okay. then Chuck Russell's The Blob. Okay, perfect. Now, Jeff yeah. Jeff Meyer, our mutual friend, wanted me to ask you. Uh, he said, ask, ask Joe about The Blob. I don't know what he me- meant by that. Well, he's going to, like, he basically opened up the, the can of worms because I can go on for hours about that movie. Well. <laughs> I was, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if you guys have the hours. I, um, I, I saw that movie opening day. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I am a disciple of Fangoria, so I pretty much yep. knew the whole movie before the movie even came out because the way that Fangoria would do it was yes. you'd have like three articles before the movie comes out and maybe two after. Yes. So I knew <coughs> every still. I knew every like big gory moment. I didn't care. You know, at that time, I devoured everything. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I either wanted to be a makeup effects artist or I wanted to be an actor. Basically, I wanted to be Tom Savini. And, uh, I, you know, like, I, I just, I loved working with, like, makeup effects, but I also, I, I enjoyed acting at the time. And then I went to go see The Blob with my mom and my brother, and it was a 3 o'clock show on Friday, and it was a pretty full crowd. Mm-hmm. But I, I was there. <laughs> dude, I can't believe that. That's crazy, because yeah. I don't know if you remember it, but that crowd was eating out of the palm of that movie's hand. Yes. Like, yeah, I miss was, those days. It was magical. Everybody screamed at the right spot. They yes. laughed at the right spot. I didn't see half of the shit that they were doing in that movie coming, you know, because mm-hmm. it sets you up to think, make you think that you're, you know, following the, I don't want to give too much away, but like one protagonist ends up being somebody else completely. I, I love that. ends up being someone completely different. And they play with, they, they fuck with the rules that I knew as a kid back then. You know, you two major rules in in most genre movies is mm-hmm. one, you can't kill dogs, and two, you can't kill kids. Mm-hmm. If you fuck with those taboos, it better be for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like rocked like yes. two years earlier from uh, Maximum Overdrive when oh, that kid yeah. got steamrolled in the head. Unbelievable! Dude, that, like that fucked me for years. Yeah. Well, the, the, <laughs> so what about you know, blah, Alex Kittner? Gonna... Alex Kittner and Jaws. That's the one that did it for me. Like, oh, whoa, this can happen to a kid. That, exactly. You know, but. 
they're, they're few and far in between. So they have to make, they got to count. <laughs> so when it happens in the blob, and, and again, I yeah. don't know if your listeners have seen it or not, but I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. But when that one, when a little kid <laughs> fucking dies in that movie, it hurts Oof. and you care, yeah. you know, there's so much that Frank Darabont and, uh, and mm-hmm. Chuck Russell put into that movie that I've been obsessed with it ever since. Yes. And it was that moment. I, re- I remember it like exactly. I remember the moment where I went, okay, so hmm. the director gets to work with the script, work with the actors, work with the makeup effects department, work with the, uh, the, the, the cinematographer, work with the musicians, works with every department. It's not like you're just focused on one. You get to be part of all of it. Yeah, I want to do that job. That's the job <laughs> I want to do. And I knew what a director was. I just thought, at the time, it was a guy that had, you know, dark sunglasses, a beard, and a baseball cap, and just kind of pointed at things. Yeah. That's what I, I you know, and I'm, I'm kind of working on that at this point. <laughs> yes, you are. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't really know, other than, you know, Spielberg, John Landis, and Joe Dante, and Sam Raimi at the time, I didn't quite grasp what a director did, you know. And then I guess it was just a culmination of knowing everything that Chuck had done before that. I mean, really, it was just Nightmare on Elm Street part, uh, you know, part three, and also the the Blob, and mm-hmm. you know, and reading about what his process was in Fangoria, it just it set me off on a path where I go, no, from here on out, I want to be a director, and that was it. So. So really, what, what I'm going to do is on Friday night, I'm going to talk about the movie. I have a little surprise that goes right before the movie. So I have two surprises. Oh, man. Uh, one is something that, uh, you know, is knock on wood. I'm waiting for the final sign-off. But mm-hmm. if I'm allowed to show it, it's also something that's very bucket list to me, uh, something I've been wanting to do for 21 years. Wow. And now um, if all goes well, I'll be able to premiere it. Wow. Uh, otherwise, it'll be out on YouTube or whatever in a couple of days after. But this would be like a nice little surprise. And then uh, there's going to be a nice little intro before the blob uh, by myself. I'll talk about the movie. I'm going to discuss it, and then uh, and then we're going to have a nice little video intro before that, and then we'll show the movie. So, and this overall, is uh, this is at the Palace Theater in Syracuse. Uh, what date? On uh, October 16th. Okay. Movie. Uh, the first movie starts at nine. And we're going to fucking go until I pass out, which will probably be like four or five o'clock. <laughs> we're both going to pass out after this. Uh, I can't be there because I'm going to be at the Living Dead Fest in Evans City, right by the cemetery, at the Museum of the Dead as well. And we're the whole cast and crew, Romero will be there. My buddy oh, John, John Russo is going to be there. You ever meet John Russo? He's a friend of yes, mine. I- Yep. Great guy, man. We're on the same publishing company, so it's just, he's everywhere I go. Uh, that's that, that same weekend, the 15th. So I won't see you there. I wish I could be there, but I will be there on the weekend of the 23rd. Um, our buddy Jeff Meyer Films in Syracuse is doing another event at the Palace. Uh, I believe we're going to see, um, ooh, Friday the 13th Part 5 is one of the films of three films ooh. that night. Yeah. It's a film. Sleaziest, the sleaziest Friday the yep. 13th of all time. Jeff loves it. It's his favorite. Um, they're showing horror movies all weekend. Me and my buddy Salone Sagaris who is also from Long Island. Uh, yeah, another writer from Long Island. We're going to have a table there. So big up, big up, Jeff. I mean, Jeff, thank you so much for setting this up, too. But, yeah, so here we are promoting the Palace Theater in Syracuse. Nice, the place to go for all your genre needs. I'm going to dig into your brain a little bit here, cause, and it's going to make you laugh. I might be the uh, – there's probably a few other people out there. Um, okay, Fagabeefy. <laughs> Fernando Fagabeefy. Yeah, I caught that, okay? Uh, you were a fan of Midnight Madness? Thank you. Thank you is right. Finally. Huge Finally. fan of that movie. I have it on, on VHS. <laughs> I was those running jokes. 
dude, that was one of those running jokes in you know in our family for years when we would just mimic <laughs> that moment in the van where the guy's like doing the Scrabble things. And hey, Emilio, Fagabifi. He hits him with a screwdriver. I thought it was the funniest word in the world, and it wasn't. You know, unfortunately, it has a little bit of a you know salacious context to it with the whole faga part. Yeah, unfortunately, I tried. Like that's why I go. It's ph. It's ph. It is. Yeah, it had nothing to do with anything like that. Back then, it was just a nonsense word. Not offensive at all. It's a it's a nonsensical word. That's all it is. But you were a fan of Midnight Madness. I love that movie. The Great All Nighter. Yeah, so that's the thing. They don't make movies where like they just do those kind of like ensemble all nighters anymore. I know. Gumball Rally, Cannonball Run. We need one of those again. You got to do it. You got to do it. How funny is it when I'm going to make a million dollar movie of of horror movies? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you kind of did it. I I love what you did with Chillerama, the wraparound story. I mean, I love Trick or Treat for the same reason. Uh, yeah. that's fantastic. I hear there's a part two coming out. I don't know what's going to happen there, but, um, yeah, I, I was so glad to see you, uh, acknowledge the great midnight madness. Um, how about Pee Wee Herman's bit role in that movie? Do you remember that? He's in the game. No, he, he, don't. He's, he's in the game room when they're, they're going through the, uh, like a, it's like a Nathan's arcade and he's the guy in the cowboy hat. And he's just kind of standing there saying he, stupid stuff. I, oh my God. I, it, it's the one shot, right? Paul Rubens. Yep. Yep. I do remember <laughs> that. I, I, I think it was like, Oh, there's Pee Wee, and he's gone. You know what? I just recently watched. Um, I, you know what? I'm very proud to say Adam Green retweeted me um about a couple of weeks back because I watched Digging Up the Marrow. I nice. love I love that movie. Yeah, I do too, dude. It, it's wow. It's really, it's, it's a it's a it's a minor masterpiece, and it came from him at the most volatile time in his life. Is that but right? That's but that's the best art, you know, like. The best art comes from yes. struggle and, and perseverance and, you know, and dealing with challenges. And I mean, he was dealing with a lot of personal challenges and he forged ahead when most guys would kind of not keep going, you know? Um, that's why like guys like him or Bobcat, like Bobcat finds out, oh, yes, you know, that his best friend dies, you know, the guy that, that funded the, you know, his new documentary. And most guys would just fucking give up, you mm. know? I mean, even though he was kind of on the tail end of finishing the movie. But that's that's where you know, and, and a lot of like personal heartbreak and everything. That's mm. why he's he's always been one of my heroes. Um, and, and also he's going to be at uh, the evil evening with Joe Lynch. He'll be Adam out. Adam's going to be there. No, Bobcat. Bobcat, uh, really? Bobcat's going to be there because he is. Oh um, man, he's going to be there Saturday night for Call Me Lucky, which is the best documentary of the year. I heard it is. Hands down, the best documentary of the year, and arguably Bobcat's best work. I just watched um, Willow Creek, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's a, you know, dude, it, it's so tense. Yes. But, um, but I, it's one of those things where I've been a fan of Bob's, I mean, since the stand up in like 85, 86. And when I saw, you know, the culmination of World's Greatest Dad, mm-hmm. um, when Sleeping Dogs Live before that, and, uh, and especially, uh, God Bless America, mm-hmm. I just went, I don't care what it takes. I got to just call him up and just say thank you, you know? Absolutely. Um, um, and, and it ended up being like he goes, "Hey man, you want to hang out?" And we ended up hanging out, and we came, we became friends, and we've been you know going back and forth um, for the past couple of years. Uh, he's he's been like one of my biggest supporters, and I, mm-hmm. I've been a big supporter of his. So it, it's one of those things where, thankfully, is one of the, it, it's one of the few times where you meet one of your heroes and they end up living up to your expectations. It's so and cool. Then, 
Yeah, very few yeah. people know Bobcat Goldwing. He is a great filmmaker. It's only come out recently because he was on the Opie and Jim Norton show. I listened to, used to listen to Opie and Anthony. Now it's Opie and Jim. Um, and he was on there talking about Willow Creek. I'm like, and, and, and to you folks out there that don't know what that is, it's a badass Bigfoot movie. Um, I, I gotta leave it at that. Yeah, uh, don't, don't say any more. No, I won't. I, I'm not a spoiler. But what I do have to do is take a break right now to pay the bills. You got a moment? Yeah, of course. Cool deal. We'll be right back with Joe Lynch. Ball Publishing presents the next step in evolution of horror. David J. Fairhead's The Fall of Tomorrow. The Fall of Tomorrow is a tale of desperation told by those who are striving to salvage some hope against a ravenous fashion of evil bent on ruling our world. Burning Ball Publishing presents The Fall of Tomorrow by David J. Fairhead. Available May 1st at Amazon.com and at BurningBallPublishing.com. Writer, maniac, Joe Lynch. From I'll take it. I'll take all those. <laughs> Long Island. Yeah, we were chatting. All the best stuff happens off the air. What, what was I going to say? I was, we were going to bring up something. I forget now. Oh, we played Gauntlet in UA United Artists Theater in Corn. I mean, if, if you weren't going, if you weren't sneaking into four movies at one day <laughs> at the Brookhaven Multiplex, or no, at the Corn Multiplex, you were playing Gauntlet. Exactly. I, I listen to this one. I I got I got pulled out of Dario Argento's Demons because it was unrated, and I guess I looked younger. I didn't have my caterpillar um, across my face mustache. And uh, at that at that moment, the, the the old owner, if you remember him, he had like this rickety back and he like crouch around. He came in there and pulled me by the shoulder and said, "You can't be in here." And I got taken. I could not see Dario Argento's Demons the oh, first time, so I went to the Pine awesome. Cinema and walked in and saw it. <laughs> You remember the PJ twin? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I saw the black hole there. <laughs> I've seen so many more, dude. Yahoo series that the screening of Yahoo series, oh is young, young Einstein there was one of the most. No, it was really it wasn't very. Um, but it, it's a tiny little theater in Port Jeff. Yes. And uh, the one thing because it's still owned by the same guy, and he's you know run that thing forever. You know mm-hmm. since I was a little kid, and he's still there to this day. Amazing. So I, I remember I I had just gone to. Um, uh, I just gone to college and my dad called me up because I just told him, Oh my God, you have to go see natural born killers. And my dad's like, yeah, you know, do you think it's good for your, you know, to your younger brothers who at the time were like, you know, <laughs> 12 and 15. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll love this movie. So he goes there and he goes to the PJ twin and the guy's like, you, you can't show this movie to that, those kids. He's like, yeah, but I'm an adult and I have these two kids and they want to see it. He's like, I can't let you offensive i'm like really dude really all right well i guess you don't want the money you know because then they just went to brookhaven multiplex and saw it um <laughs> exactly yeah it's like i remember all those theaters man i love my biggest like one of the things that i love the most 
is going to movie theaters out of L.A. Because then you're seeing a movie with real people. You're not sitting there with disgruntled writers and mm -hmm. actors and people who sit there and go like, well, that's not what I thought I was going to do with it. Or hmm, must be nice having that, you know, that job. It, people are just <laughs> grumpy and cynical. Like, yes. I, I remember seeing um, The Day After Tomorrow at the Arclight Cinema. And uh, it was opening night and, you know, it was packed and everyone was, you know, kind of railing on the movie. It wasn't that great. Right. But the guy next to me, could not shut up about how bad the movie was. Oh my he was God. like, Duh, that sucks. We're bullshit. And after 40 minutes, I just go, dude, what's your deal? And he's like, do you have something against this movie? He goes, oh, I edited it. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, okay. Wow. All right. And, and that really stuck with me. So, but anytime that I see a movie, like when I go home to Long Island, I can't wait to go to whatever cinema's open, like whether it's the, uh, you know, the Sony one that's in Stony Brook now, mm -hmm. or I'll go to the Huntington Cinema Arts Center, or I'll go to PJ Twin or whatever, and just sit down with like people who are not worried about IMDb scores, right. opening box office weekends. They're just there to be entertained or to be moved or to be affected by what we, and that's the reason why we make movies. We're not making movies to win a weekend. Right. You know, we're not making movies, uh, I hope not. I mean, not <laughs> everybody, but I'm not. You know? I'm, I'm sitting there, I want, I want to, entertain people i want to affect people somehow i want them to you know when the movie's over to be like that was awesome or that was messed up or that was really effective or that really moved me or that touched me not like oh i wonder how that you know how I wonder how that movie did this weekend who gives a shit right you know? right so it's always nice to go outside of the, the the industry to see movies and that's just it's it's so much more pleasurable that way yes yeah people forget i mean who cares what movie made what amount of money we didn't grow up in that generation where you knew the box office sales you just hope the thing was still in there the next week so you can go again you know or go once <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know we didn't talk about ghoul yeah. um i enjoyed that i found footage films um or you know hit or miss you made it so you didn't oh, yeah. even notice it was a found footage film it's so well done and well, creepy here's, as hell. Here's the, here's the weird thing. I saw the trailer for that, and this was a very early trailer years ago, back in, I think it was like 2011, 2012. Uh, Peter Jackal, this guy, um, uh, who had just made this movie in the Czech Republic, and he, he just made this thing on his own money and, mm -hmm. and just decided, like, I want to make not just a found footage movie, I want to make a 3D found footage movie. Mm -hmm. This is a, the unfortunate thing that you guys didn't get to see was it was shot in 3D. No and way. it was shot in a way that it felt like the 3D was necessary. It's not like, you know, now with like paranormal activity, they're going, you will now see it to the new dimension. And it's like, it kind of feels a little forced at that point. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't, I can't really judge it. But, you know, the way that Peter had constructed Ghoul was that these guys were using this 3D camera and they even have like a 3D test in the beginning, which was fucking like such a smart thing to do. So I saw the I saw the trailer and I really liked it. And my manager, uh, who's my producing partner, mm -hmm. had talked to that that filmmaker. I'm like, I'd love to see the movie. So I saw the movie, and I thought it was cool. But I was like, you know, is there any way that I could at least <coughs> offer up some notes? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know he even wants them, but I feel like there's something here. And just from one filmmaker to another, I just wanted to kind of give my ideas. So I did, and he really responded to them. And then we just started working together on the cut. And every time that I would make a suggestion, like, man, it's a, it's a real shame that we don't have this scene where they're going down this corridor. Hmm. And then two weeks later, he's like, oh, I shot it. I'm like, what, really? <laughs> it's like most people are like, oh, we've got to get a production together and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And he would just shoot it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it was a long, hard road for him to get that movie um, done. But it was one of the few found footage movies that I saw that maybe it's because I was so close to it. Maybe it's because I invested myself so much in the characters in every iteration, but I really cared about it. So it was great to see that it finally got out because Peter killed himself for that movie. And, mm. and people really, really responded to it. I just hopefully someday soon, because um, I know that the distributor, it, it's it's just so hard to put a 3D movie out anywhere. Yeah. And any theater worth their salt is going to look at two 3D movies and go, hmm, let me see, Inside Out or Ghoul? Let me weigh which one is going to make me the most money. Duh, you know? Uh. So hopefully, like, when it comes out, on, you know, in subsequent Blu-ray or DVD releases when 3D TVs are, are a little more active, uh, people will see the 3D in it because it is really unnerving. Like, I, when I saw the 2D version, there was nothing you could do to... Um, to get around the fact that it was 2D versus 3D. So I, I was like, there's something missing. And it was just the fact that you didn't feel as immersed as you did with the three, with the three dimensional. Mm. I still like 3D. Like I just saw the Martian in 3D and oh my God, that movie looks awesome. Oh yeah. In the right. Oh yeah. In, in the right form, in the right venue and for the right film, 3D can be an amazing experience. I know? agree. So oh, at, I totally at the same agree. time, it can be really distracting. Like, like for me, I actually thought that the, 3D in, in Mad Max, which is my favorite movie of the year. Last love five years, that movie. I, I, I own it yes. because it made it made everything seem like a visual effect. Whereas right. on the 2D version, you go, that shit's right there. That there's no comping, there's no green screen. That's right there. Um, and and same with like Jurassic World, where I saw it in 3D and I went, it just feels so. It's trying too hard. And then I remember seeing it again in 2D, and I'm like, oh, I like this much better. <laughs> so it really depends on the movie. You know, but, but Ghoul's one that should definitely be seen in 3D, hopefully uh, someday. I enjoyed it. I just watched it on DVD and I, I, I totally enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, I bought it. Um, they, they were nice. selling it. Like, yeah, they, this, this place, this family video, they rent things, you could buy them. I love it. I, I love walking into an old video store. We were talking about that off air, you know, the musty old mom and pa video store. How, that you just stood in that horror section, amazed by the boxes, you know, like, wow, what's, what's this about? And you're probably like me, you watched every one of them, the good, bad, the ugly, you know, just, and you could not not do it. Uh, oh, the, yeah. the, there's one I want you to, I, I hate the word remake, but there's one that deserves a remake, and I think you're the man to do it. Food of the Gods. Oh, yeah. Food of like, the Gods. Funny, I kind of liked, I liked Food of the Gods 2 a little more. That's interesting. Because I went, as a little kid, I just wanted more and more and more, you know, and that movie, and the second one is just <coughs> shove all the rats. Yeah. <laughs> put them all, put them all in there. <laughs> so I, you know, I think, it, I, I think it was also because I saw that one first. I saw that one on Captain USA's Groovy Movies. No way! Oh my God! I remember I was, that? Yeah, it's on WPIX every yes, Saturday yeah. afternoon at two p.m. And I remember loving that movie. And I saw the first one. I was like, I like the sequel. But yeah, that that movie could totally be remade. If they can remake Willard, they can remake Food for the Gods. Exactly, Food of the Gods. You got to do that. This time, you got to have a giant spider in it, though. They got to do some more with the insects and the the bugs. Oh, right. And... So what is it? Superman lives. What are you, Peter Goober? <laughs> uh, or whatever. Who wanted the big spider in that movie? Oh man, I I, I got to tell you too. The, the um, I've never laughed harder than your Chillerama. Okay, I always go back to that because there's a scene there. I mean, and God forbid you have this cold when you watch it when. The Diary of Anne Frankenstein, okay, that is, uh, of course, Adam Green, right? He, didn't he write that one? Oh, yeah. When the doctor's yep. going off in his tangent, and he's screaming in German, you know, Oshkosh Bagosh, Boba Fett, soccer hater. <laughs> Who came up with that? Was that you? Chipotle! <laughs> Dude, I never laugh. I, I cannot stop laughing when he's just yelling. <laughs> just yelling, just ridiculous. I think, I think 
Diary of Diary of Anne Frankenstein, I think, is one of the funniest shorts. Oh my in god, the last it truly is. Years. Truly is, Easily. folks. You got to go back revisit Chillerama, and you could see it at the Palace. Correct? You're going to be showing that in, entirely. Yep, or? we're going to be showing a, a special version where it's just zombie movie. So there will be a little bit of Wadzilla, a little bit of you know Anne Frankenstein, and a little bit of the uh, of uh, Werebears as well. Um, but this one is basically all of the the wraparounds edited together in a way that it feels like a cohesive whole. Perfect. Now, we are... I can't believe... We have so much to talk about. All right, now, here's the genius, okay? Microcosm Massacre, also known as Everly, your latest movie. That movie, <laughs> uh, amazing. It takes... The genius behind it, it takes place in one uh, apartment room, we'll say. There's other scenes, but... My God, the slow destruction of this room. You kill more people in one room than any director ever has, I think. Do you have a record Thank for you. that? Do you have the record for that? I don't know, but I'll take it. For yeah. now, I'll, I'll, I'll grab that, that, that mantle and I'll slap it down. Yes. That movie um, grabs you from the, the onset. You, you cannot, if you leave the room, you missed a million shots. And literally, um, I, I did leave the room for a second. My, and like, uh, Ms. D is screaming at me. She's like, get back in here. Get back in here. Get in here. Oh, okay. Okay. I ran back in. I'm like, Oh my God. Salma Hayek, how did you get her? Uh, well, originally we had Kate Hudson, and Kate Hudson had to uh, bail because she got glee. So, okay. but when, once one actress gets on, like, gets interested, and everybody else goes like, oh, well, if she thought it was pretty good, I, I'll do it too. Um, <laughs> and Salma came in, and, she, and her take on it was so fantastic because she yes. was all about family. She was all about, I gotta save my kid. And like, Amazing. that's all that I care about, really, like with this, um, was that the, the Emotions behind all the insanity need to come from a grounded place. It needs to come from a place that everyone can relate to. And I think any parent can relate to surviving their child and making sure that their kid is okay. So that's really where she came from. And then she also said, like, oh, baby, you can do whatever you want to my body. And I'm like, (laughs) green light. Oh, my Um, God. (laughs) That's that's great. Uh, And and then that was was it. And then we were off to the races. So she was on board. And then uh, we, like, all the finance kind of just came together quickly from there. And then next thing you know, I'm in Serbia shooting this movie. Serbia. I wondered where you could, like, all the the amount of ammunition you you went through in that film. My God. Uh, We we, we exhausted the entire entire Serbian army's worth of ammunition. (laughs) We actually used all those guns are actually real. Uh, except for like one dummy gun, all those guns are from the actual Serbian National Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, all blanks, of course. But um, and that's the one thing about you know going to like a foreign country or going anywhere else other than L.A. is that it's just it's cheaper to shoot, and that doesn't mean that you get like lesser crew or lesser facilities. It's just it's so expensive with the unions and like all the all the stuff that you don't see go on screen if you shoot in, in L.A. or even in America that mm-hmm. actually get put on screen. You know, the difference between, you know, shooting in L.A. or, or in uh, Vancouver and shooting in Serbia was pretty practical, you know, like because we got to a lot more money to actually having real practical blood on set, not just going, ah, we'll fix it in post, you know. Wow. It's all those little details that you have to, as a director and a producer, you have to take into consideration because it's going to affect the end product no matter what, you know. what. So if you want to be close to your family – then just know that you might not get the actor that you wanted or know that you might not get as many days as you wanted, you know. And me being the total masochist, uh, you know, and sinuous that I am, I'm like, ah, screw it all. We got to put it all on screen. So unfortunately, I, I was away from my family for a good, you know, mm-hmm. God, four or five months and it was hard. Thank God for Skype and FaceTime. Uh, but 
at, at the end of the day, I'm glad I did because we got so much more. We got mm-hmm. sorry for the pun, bang for our buck than we would have <laughs> anywhere else. And the crews there were amazing. They were fantastic. Uh, the talent there was, we could not have pulled it off any other way. It's amazing. Uh, it truly is. Uh, Tarantino fans, I mean, just, you gotta see this movie, Everly. And that is the girl's name, Sama Hayek's character. Um, your Tarantino moment, I, I hope you don't mind me saying that. Um, when you, <laughs> no, not at all. It's, well, I just, I just found out, someone told me that, um, do you know Amoeba? Amoeba Records? Yeah, oh my god, yeah. So, someone told me that they saw him walking out of Amoeba with a copy of it. I'm like, oh, I'm done! Yes, I'm you did it. You landed. <laughs> you landed, my brother. You landed. That's fantastic. Um, but, you know, just to give them a premise, um, how do we do that without spoiling it? Um, she's, I've said this so many times. So, Everly is about a woman who is trapped in her apartment after her Yakuza boyfriend, or uh, quotes boyfriend, for four years, um, right? Her captive four years ago finds out that she's been talking to the cops. Mm. So he sends everybody, and by that I mean like Gary Oldman and the professional saying, everyone! He sends everyone. <laughs> All their <to> hookers. <laughs> and also to kill her family that's yeah. in another location. Yes. So this is all taking place over one night during Christmas time, because of course this is my homage to Die Hard. Mm. Uh, and I love Christmas. Yes. Um, and it all takes place in one room. The camera can never leave the room. That's kind of the gimmick, you know, so that we feel trapped in the room with her. Yes. And Everly has to not only survive herself, but she's got to figure out a way to make sure that her family, her mother and her daughter that she hasn't seen in four years mm-hmm. is also kept alive as well. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a very huge, big, high concept. This done in a way that's very small and visceral. It's, yeah. It's very much. A, well, the cool part is she knows the apartment better. She knows the apartment. I'm sorry. We got a little delay there. She knows the apartment better than uh, her attackers. Yeah, exactly. You know, so she's able to use all those resources mm. to her advantage when this endless wave of guys coming in is, is you know, is kind of holding, bar, like a, putting this whole place under a barrage of mm-hmm. gunfire and, and, and violence and everything. <laughs> Grenades. Um, yeah, grenades, killer dogs, you know. Oh, I hate that dog. <laughs> yeah, that dog is, you know, that was I, the best. I got a lot of shit for killing a dog. That dog, that dog deserved it. Yeah. Every step of the way. He was an asshole dog. He tried to kill a little kid. Yeah, Therefore, he was an asshole. I don't, care, I don't care what species you are, you deserve to die. But don't, I, don't kill, don't try to kill a little kid. What I love too, you, you broke your own rules. You were talking about Frank Darabont earlier. Um, you, you broke the rules where she, after she guns down a couple of people, one is left alive. And then she finds the footage of that dude that she kept alive and not really a buddy, but using him for his information. He also raped her, which she looks back at a video and says, whoa, hey, that's you, you know. But he's still living. He, he's, he's immobilized because she shot him. But they have this exchange. And it's like, oh, my God, am I supposed to like this guy now? No, no. It's very uncomfortable. Very, well, but what's so cool. weird is that actually he didn't he didn't rape her. He like oh. he, he says I could have, but I didn't. Oh, he was right, the okay. guy that shot it. He okay. was the one who set up the camera. Gotcha. So basically, and again, I didn't want to like over. I feel like the best drama allows you to fill in the blanks. Yes, you don't need to throw all the information at the audience and, and make sure that they know everything. Like let let the audience kind of figure certain things out for themselves. Right. So you know that was one thing where. We called him Dead Man, and his name was Dead Man throughout the movie. Mm. Um, you know, his whole thing was that he was out of fear in a way. Mm-hmm. He was hired by Tycho to basically be his videographer right. in all these awful events. Yes. So he, you know, he felt guilty enough just by association 
for having done what he did. And and that tape was really important because we didn't want to show it at all. We mm-hmm. wanted to like leave the audience kind of less is more. The theater Very important. is yes. so much more than I would ever would. I you know? totally agree with that. that, that so, yeah. it's, so it's better to not show it. And I've had people... I had that at one film festival. Someone came up to me like, how dare you show the rape, you disgusting misogynist. I'm like, go back and watch the movie again. Tell me I, sh- I showed the rape. I- I'm sorry, but I don't. Right. And she got really mad and walked away. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, it, whatever, you know. But but the thing is, it was effective enough to make her think she saw it. Yes. You know, so that's that's the power of cinema is that the, the, sometimes less is more. I agree way. completely. You know, it's, always, it's always good to um, to leave the audience kind of, investing themselves in the story a little more because mm-hmm. then they'll be more in, involved later on too the best uh, uh best um example would be jaws yeah. you know you don't see the shark till the end of the film yeah you know they're holding back you know uh make them turn the page you know just yeah i totally agree less is more um i you know i can't thank you enough for this um i hope to have you back we got oh we, dude we, like we gotta we gotta do this again because i got so much more to talk about i'm like oh fuck oh i'm not cutting you <laughs> off <really>? dude <laughs> it's all you man oh i know i know you i got Run, but, uh, but yeah, we gotta yeah, do this again. Yeah, your, your people are telling me you have to go. <laughs> I always love that on radio. It's like they're pulling you out with, you know, a freaking chain. Um, listen, uh, so let's, let's, all right, tell people where to find you, what you got coming up next, and again, the Palace Theater is the 15th, the weekend of the 15th in Syracuse. Yes. Uh, all right, so, um, all right, so, uh, you can find me at, at the Joe Lynch. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, kind of Facebook, but the, the, you know it's it's being used through those those other apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also check out the podcast that Adam and Adam Green and I do called the Movie Crypt. The Movie Crypt. Um, uh, every Monday morning at 10 a.m., uh, we have a new episode with uh, different artists, filmmakers, musicians, stuff like that. It's an, it's very loose conversation like this is. Uh, it's on Geek Nation or iTunes. Um, Everly is out on Blu-ray and DVD. I believe it's coming up. <coughs> <laughs> worst endorsement ever. <laughs> uh, it, I think it's coming out. I got the same thing going soon. on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on uh, yep on October sixteenth, uh, the evening with Joe Lynch, which will be uh, Everly uh, zombie movie, and then the Blob with a couple little surprises there. And then there is something that's going to be coming out in the next couple weeks. It's a it's a little project, but one that I am incredibly proud of. And it's again twenty one years in the making. Uh, I'm very excited for people to see it. So that's coming up. And then, uh, and then there's something else, but I can't say anything yet, but you'll hear right. about it very soon. Well, I look forward to everything and anything. Hey, you're into indie flicks, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I recommend one, a friend of mine, Carrie Hill, uh, made this movie called Scream Park. Find it if you can. You can go to the website. Screen. Yeah, Screen Park. He, um, he, I think he's about your age. He made a throwback slasher. It could, could be taking place in the 80s. Filmed, <coughs> excuse me, I'm coughing too. On location up in Erie, PA, uh, at a, uh, an abandoned, um, um, uh, I guess amusement park. Um, it's, oh, wow. it's a fantastic slasher. Ogre from Skinny Puppy is in it. Um, if you know the band Skinny Puppy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he plays one of the killers, Iggy. Um, it's a great throwback to 80s slasher screen park. Look that one up. I guarantee that's gonna be a fun night for you. Um, Done. Already written down. I'm, I'm in a couple of indie flicks myself coming out. I, I get killed in a movie called The Chop, which is about a chop house where a guy has to go back to working in a chop house to support his family and he gets involved <laughs> with drugs and gangs and yeah I get my head blown up it's fantastic um, I want to thank uh, Jack Davis for that and Carrie Jubilee for getting me in the film that's coming out in January and there's one big one I really want you to, it, it, you can see it on my Facebook page too but Blood on the Real by Johnny Daggers Dagger Vision Films 
Blood on the Reel is a it pays homage to all indie independent horror filmmakers, and he interviews directors. Ooh. Yeah, man, you got he does such a good job. It's such a great documentary with showing real footage, and you know it's it's guerrilla filmmaking. Uh, excuse me, but Blood on the Reel, check that out. That's coming out soon. The trailer is on my Facebook page. I know you're not on there very much. I can send it to you. But yeah, I just want to give you a heads up on those. We were supposed to talk Halloween. We didn't get there. <laughs> ah, damn it. Well, next time. But real quick, I can tell you, uh, pumpkin ale. <laughs> I got this, uh, tried this, uh, Buffalo Bills Brewery, pumpkin ale. I'm not a big pumpkin guy, but damn, this was good beer. <laughs> I'm just saying. Done. I, I, I need a, after this conversation, I need a beer. So I know, right? it's like we're gonna have to grab one. Look for that. And there's one other one here too. Johnny Rails, R-A-I-L-S, uh, it has a little jack-o'-lantern. Uh, like Jack Skellington guy on the bottle. Fantastic beer, and I don't like pumpkin spice, and I like when, this. When you want to go off the rails. <laughs> exactly. You drink rails beer. <laughs> Boom. Man, nice go, nice one, man. All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye, goodnight, and uh, folks, friends, and fiends, thanks for tuning in. Um, this was a real special episode. I think we're going to get Joe back. I think we will. We are <laughs> definitely coming back. All right. Well, I'm at Fairly Dark, folks, uh, on Twitter. So uh, find me there, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I guess we'll see you soon. Enjoy Halloween. This is On the Path to Halloween with Joe Lynch.
Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid. 